Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 125 of the SCO Show. Proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield. Happy to be back in the big chair for today, Monday, August 17th, 2020. Big day down in Foxborough today. Why? Padded practices begin. I'm going to talk about that at the outset. A little bit later, a dive back into the mind of Bill Belichick. But before we do all of that, the usual reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Not one, not two, but three SB Nation websites. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, where I co-host the QB Factory with the venerable Michael J. Kist. And of course, right here, Pat's Pulpit and the Sco Show. And don't forget, Doug Farrar and myself over at Touchdown Wire, getting you ready for the NFL season as part of the USA Today network of websites. Let's talk padded practices because that's going to be the story of the day. That's going to be the story of the week. The New England Patriots getting back to padded practices on Monday today. And I want to sort of stress a couple of things that I will be sort of watching for, looking for, reading articles, trying to find. Because now that we're getting training camp tweets, we're getting training camp takes, it's easy to sort of get caught up in hype. It's easy to sort of get excited about players and plays and schemes and moments. And since this is a training camp unlike any other, I wanted to sort of pass along the things that I will be looking for, the things that I will be reading, the things I will get legitimately excited to hear, the things that I will sort of dismiss out of hand when I see come across the timeline. And as with every training camp, we're going to be given limited information this year, perhaps more so than most, because let's face it, it's similar to college. We spent a lot of time last week talking about how this year is very similar to the college preseason experience for NFL teams. And in talking with people associated with college programs, they will tell you that when they're getting ready for week one, if they can find out via social media, Instagram, some means of who the starting right tackle might be on your week one opponent, they will do everything they can to uncover that information because you go into week one, college coaches release their depth charts, and it's got five guys listed as the right tackle. 
all listed as co-starters. You don't know who that person's going to be. You may have recruited three of those guys. You may have recruited all five of those guys. You just don't know. And so you have some sort of baseline of information on those players. But if you can find out via a tweet or some other means who's been working with the first team the most, that's going to give you information. The same thing's going to be applicable to NFL teams. Like say a hypothetical team has a quarterback competition. If it leaks out through social media that quarterback A is getting the bulk of the time with the first team, your week one opponent might use that information. And so teams might be more tight-lipped or at least try to be tight-lipped with those that cover the teams sending stuff out. And so it's important to sort of keep that stuff in mind as we go into the next couple of days as padded practices begin. But what am I going to be looking for, trying to see? Again, the, the clips, the film clips that get put out, at least to date, haven't given me much to work with. A lot of highlights set to music. It's kind of like watching somebody's huddle game film when you're doing some scouting evaluation. But as with any training camp, the first thing is player health. And obviously, it takes on a different form in the midst of a global pandemic. But player health is critical. You don't want to hear non-contact injuries. You don't want to read about injuries. And you also obviously don't want to read about players testing positive for COVID-19. So the, the, the first thing off the top is a bit of normalcy. Keeping everyone healthy. Let's talk about what I'm going to be looking for. I'm going to be looking for timing. In this shortened training camp and preseason, getting players on the same page as quickly as possible is going to be critical. The teams that do the best job of that in the coming weeks are the teams that are going to be extremely successful. And so... I want to hear stories. I want to see clips. I want to see interviews. I want to see people like Evan Lazar and Phil Perry talking about how the timing seemed crisp today. Like Those are the things that I'm going to be excited about. If plays seem to struggle, seem to be slow, if they seem to be slow developing, if offensive linemen seem to be slow and getting up to the second level, or that seems to be mistimed, that's going to be an issue. If the receivers and the quarterbacks seem to be on a different page on various route concepts, that's going to be an issue. If there are coverage busts in the secondary as a result of late rotations or sloppy rotations, that's going to be important. So first and foremost, I want to see timing. I want to hear that the timing seemed to be crisp. When I get a chance to watch stuff, I want to see timing in the execution of designs and concepts and schemes. So that's one thing I'm looking for. The struggle and the battle between the physical and the mental mistakes. This is something we hear all the time. A recent famous example was the year he was becoming the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. People were like, oh, Patrick Mahomes. He's thrown so many picks in practice. He just looks like a mess. He's thrown pick after pick after pick. Don't read too much into that. If you hear the, a story or you read a story, you hear a news clip that Jared Stidham's throwing a bunch of interceptions, Cam Newton's throwing a bunch of interceptions, don't immediately overreact to that. 
because training camp is the time to test that stuff out. And circling back to the Mahomes example, the reason he was throwing picks was because Andy Reid sat him down and said, look, try to get away with things now. See what you can and can get away with. Push the envelope a bit. And so Mahomes was testing things out, seeing what he could do and what he couldn't do, what he could get away with and what he couldn't get away with. And that seemed to play a role in the season that he had because he knew the boundaries he could push as a quarterback and the boundaries he couldn't. So don't immediately overreact to interceptions. If you can't get your eyes on them, if you can't try to read deeper into what's being reported. If interceptions are due to good defensive play, if they're due to the defense flying around the field, that might be A, a good thing about the defense, and B, a window into what the quarterback is doing. Because if the defense is buzzing all over the place and Cam Newton throws an interception, it might be A, that the defense is ready, and B, that he's also testing some windows and testing some boundaries. So don't overreact to the sort of interception number that gets bandied about. Don't box score scout seven-on-seven sessions. That's another thing. If you hear that Cam Newton and Jared Stidham combined to go 22 of 23 for 220 yards and three touchdowns in a seven-on-seven session, that's not worth much. Because seven-on-seven, you should be able to carve up a defense. You don't have a pass rush. You can see everything. And you want to know what seven-on-seven numbers are worth? You want to know who was a stud in seven-on-seven back in the day? Me. Why? I could see stuff, and I wasn't facing pressure. As soon as it became 11-on-11, that's when I struggled. So don't get anxious about the defense. Don't start believing, oh my God, the defense is awful, if you hear good 7-on-7 numbers from the quarterbacks against this defense. Similarly, don't overthink physical mistakes, right? Drops, misthrows. Don't overreact to those right away. Now, there will be a time to overreact to them. It's just not the first couple of days of padded practice. And the final thing is, somewhat in contrast to the point I was making earlier, if we do get tidbits of usage, that matters. It matters in terms of guys running with the first team somewhat, particularly at the offensive line. We're, we're hearing who's getting reps at right tackle. Jermaine Illuminor, for example, Corey Cunningham, for example. That stuff matters somewhat. Read into that what you will. What I'm very curious to see is how players are used, what roles players are being used in, particularly guys like Juwan Williams, Kyle Duggar, James White, Devin RCSC, Dalton Keene. How are those guys being used? Not so much are they running with starters, even if they're just running with second and third team. Where is Juwan Williams lining up? Is he lining up as a safety? Is he lining up as a boundary corner, a slot corner, a slot defender? Where is he being used? Dalton Keene, where is he being used? Are they putting him in line? Is he more of a move tight end, more of an H-back? Same thing with Devin ICSC. Kyle Duggar, where is he being used when he's on the field? Simply as a box safety? multiple usage safety? Are they putting them in the slot? Are they putting them at linebacker? When the usage tidbits start to come out, read into that what you will. That's going to be something interesting to see over the next couple of days. And so that's sort of my read on how practices start as we get going into padded practices. 
these are weird times. We'll cover it the best we can. We'll try to get as much video and insight as we can from those around us. And we'll see going forward how this team starts to come together as they put the pads on. Up next, a little bit from Bill Belichick himself. He again addressed the media on Friday, gave some insight. And a little bit later, an early odds-on favorite for the NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Some thoughts on that in a moment. That's all ahead on episode 126 of The Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 126 of the Sco Show. And we just talked a little bit about the return to padded practices for the New England Patriots. That's going to get underway this week. I want to talk a little bit about Bill Belichick and his address Friday. Because he again addressed the media. And some of his comments got a lot of attention. And I do want to speak to those in a second. But of course, you know where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with the quarterbacks. And the man himself, the Senator Phil Perry, asked a question, quote, How have practices gone so far, especially for quarterbacks? Because you lost time earlier in spring. Is there anything your staff can do to maximize the time now to get more reps in for the quarterbacks? Answer. Well, again, Phil, I think it's all relative. So whatever time we have is the same amount of time that everybody else has and vice versa. We try to use our time as efficiently as possible. To this point, for all positions, it really doesn't matter what position you're talking about. The pre-snap, line of scrimmage, and initial assignment, we've had an opportunity to go over that extensively, and I feel pretty good about where we are there. What we're missing is the things that happen post-snap and the fundamentals and execution of our assignments at a high tempo with contact against a quality opponent. Those are the things that we haven't done. Nobody's been able to do. And so we'll start that process really today, Sunday, and then next week with pads is when we'll be able to hit those with some, I would say, solid experiences for the players and hopefully progressions. We're about as far as we can go in terms of walkthroughs and calls and communication and all that. But the speed of the game post-snap and what happens once everybody starts moving, we've seen some of that at a slow pace and been able to coach it to a certain degree, but certainly nothing like the way it's really going to happen and he goes on to talk about sort of the schedule and where they are vis-a-vis where they would typically be in a regular preseason but I wanted to highlight that what Bill Belichick says there is pretty much in line with what I was just talking about what I'm going to be looking for the timing and the execution of once plays start going what happens in the post-snap phase when you're doing it full speed against a quality opponent which are going to be in this case the guys in the same journey just jersey just on the opposite side of the ball and so, again, that ties in with what I was looking for, the timing, the execution, what they do when the play actually begins. Because to this point, you can really just get that pre-snap stuff down and your initial assignment, right? Your linebacker, your initial play call, your initial read, your view of everything before the ball is snapped, and your first real couple of steps. Then the tricky part becomes, what do you do when things and your expectations pre-snap change post-snap? How do you react to that? To the quarterback position, which Phil Perry was talking about, 
you see cover three, you expect to get cover three, you expect to see that, you expect to get the buzz defender buzz into the flat. Now suddenly he does it. What do you do? And it's all happening full speed with pads, with guys that are technically trying to hit you. You know, that's the difference between walkthroughs and real practices that are going to be the bulk of training camp for the, these teams. And so I thought that answer was interesting. He was also asked about rookie safety Kyle Duggar. What are your early impressions of Kyle Duggar and how he's done so far? And this is the comment. These are the comments that people really sort of jumped on. Answer, quote, well, I think all of our rookies have worked extremely hard. I mean, they're in deep water and turbulent water, and it's going to get rougher just in terms of the volume and the level of competition and becoming a professional athlete and the full day and consecutive days that get strung together with very high demands, both physically, mentally, and rest and recovery and all of that. So I think the guys are adjusting to it. They're all working hard at it. It's a really hard-working group. They haven't been any problem. They're just trying to do the best they can, but they're swimming. They're in deep water, and their eyes get opened every day as we move up in the process. We often expect rookies to jump in with both feet and acclimate immediately. But it's difficult, if not impossible, to do that. Even in a regular preseason and training camp, you have gone, say, you're Kyle Duggar, you play your last Division II game, you start getting ready for the Senior Bowl because this is your chance to show you can be on the big stage. You throw yourself into Senior Bowl prep. Then, okay, you handled yourself well down there. Now it's time for the Combine. You put yourself into Combine prep. And then once you're drafted, in a regular setting, it's rookie minicamp, it's OTAs, it's all that stuff. There's no breaks. There's no rest. You're learning this all on the fly while moving yourself, moving your life, uprooting yourself, getting a place to live, taking care of real world stuff like insurance and bills and things like that, perhaps for the first time in a long time. It's a lot. But now you're doing it in the middle of a global pandemic when everything changes from day to day. It's a lot for these rookies to take on. And so it's hard to really expect that they're going to be ahead of the curve, any of these players. And depth, as I said last week, as other people have been saying, is going to be tested. Unlike the, the likes of which we've never seen before. And so that's almost intimidating to think about that answer from Belichick. Because as he's talking about, these guys are drowning. It makes the illusion to swim. But these guys are drowning right now. It, it's hard to become an NFL player overnight. And that's what we're asking of these players is you haven't had the usual on-ramp, on-board and experiences that the guys before you did. You're on your own. And now we're asking you to swim out of the deep end. It's intimidating. So I wanted to hit those two answers from Belichick. I thought they were fascinating. Before we go, some thoughts on Alex Smith. Um, Because... You've probably seen by now the videos of Alex Smith and his family celebrating when he was cleared to return to football activity. And then on Sunday, the Washington football team posted videos of Smith at his first actual practice for the first time since that horrific knee injury that doctors thought at one point might have cost him his leg. And even if he never throws another regular season pass, Alex Smith is your comeback player of the year. And I don't think there should be any debate about that. And now, I don't know if I'm violating any sort of, like, 
vote-in protocol here when I say this. As a newly minted member of the Pro Football Writers Association, I will have the ability to vote on the Pro Football Writers Association NFL Comeback Player of the Year. An award that has been given in the past, you know, almost decade exclusively by the Pro Football Writers Association. Before that, it was tied in with Pro Football Weekly. Uh, Last year, Ryan Tannehill, your winner. I will now have the privilege of voting on that and the George S. Hallis Courage Award and the All-NFL Team MVPs and things like that. And it's pretty cool. I will say that. But I will have a vote for the Pro Football the PFWA Comeback Player of the Year. And I think, without question, it goes to Alex Smith to work back to this point, even if he never appears in a game this year. And interestingly enough, in the wake of that video surfacing of him with his family, a lot of people wondered, Does he, I, don't, I don't know if he looks, I don't know if that leg looks okay. People were wondering about that. And then Elizabeth Smith, Alex's wife, posted that, look, this journey is his and his alone. And I think we should pay attention and heed and respect that. Because think about the journey that Alex Smith has undergone over the past year or so. Working his way back to this point after being told potentially that he might lose that leg. It's a tremendous story. It's an incredible story. And even if he doesn't appear in another NFL game, you sell this story to Disney. That's the kind of story it is. And Ron Rivera and everybody with Washington has said the right things and said that basically, you know, he's here to compete for a job. If he goes out and wins that job, I mean, talk about a story there. But even if he doesn't, Smith has earned lifelong respect, I think, from anybody associated with this game, fan, media member, opponent, for the way he has worked himself back to this position. And I will say this, Alex Smith has been one of those guys that everybody seems to respect and thank the world of, from the way things were handled with him in San Francisco, and then in Kansas City when they drafted Patrick Mahomes, and everybody knew that Mahomes was going to be the guy at some point, including Alex Smith, who went in a very different direction than we've seen some other quarterbacks in similar situations, and took Mahomes under his wing, would pick him up on the way to the facility, watch film with him, show him how to watch film. Mahomes himself has said multiple times on many occasions, look, I wouldn't be the guy I am without what Alex Smith did for me. There have been other quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks, including some recent ones that went in a completely different direction when their team drafted the next guy. Alex Smith is one of those guys that everybody that comes into contact with, everybody that sees play, walks away with a ton of respect for. And to this moment, just an incredible amount of credit to him and everything that he's accomplished to this date. And I think he's one of those players that, regardless of your fandom and your allegiance, you're pulling for Alex Smith here in 2020. And man, if he wins this job, yeah, there'll be a movie about that one. That will do it for today. I will be back Thursday. Uh, We'll we'll talk some more about uh, how training camps unfold and pattern practices going to be working effort in getting the guest um stay tuned on that until then friends take care of each other take care of your loved ones wash those hands and when you do sin along bless those patriots reigns down in foxborough